Hey y'all, you're listening to the Faith Church Sermon Podcast. We are so excited that you're connecting with us today. It is our desire for you to grow as a result of the resources we provide here. We pray that this blesses you today as you seek to know Him more. Hey, following Jesus is hard. Trusting in Jesus, believing in Jesus, having faith in Jesus is really really challenging. My default setting when I wake up in the morning isn't to believe in Jesus. My default setting is the opposite. It's hard to believe that God would love me for, because of all the shameful things that I've done wrong. And for some of us, the shameful things that have been done to us, it's hard to imagine God loves me. It's hard to imagine that God has good plans for me when life seems really difficult or life seems dark. It's hard to imagine that God has purposes and plans for me that are good in the future and that the greatest days are ahead of me with eternal pleasures at his right hand forevermore when it looks like everybody's having a lot of fun in the here and now. And he's like, no, Joe, I want you to look up past the here and now to greater things. It's hard to believe. It's hard to trust. It's hard to have faith. And the Bible kind of defines faith this way. It says, now faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. That runs against my default setting. To believe in something, to have confidence in something I can't see, to be sure of a hope, that's the exact opposite of what I wake up thinking. And yet, maybe for you, for me, I know the weight of my sin. And I know the things that I've done wrong. And I've asked God to forgive me. And I have experienced forgiveness where I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I am set free and purified. Not because of anything I've done, but by faith in Jesus Christ. I know what it feels like to be set free from my sin. I believe. I've seen God work. I've seen God do things in my life and the life of the people around me that I can't explain. And so while I struggle to believe, I believe. And so whether you believing or trusting for a couple days or a couple weeks or a couple decades, there's a part of most of us that believes and doesn't believe all at the same time. That we believe and we have confidence in God. We want to believe in him more, but we struggle, we wrestle because he just doesn't make sense, does he? He does things that are unexpected. I mean, if he really loves me, then why do bad things happen to me? If he's really just in all his ways, why is there so much injustice? If he really is going to send his son to rescue us, why doesn't he come right now and rescue us from this chaos, this cancer, this moment, this heartache? Why doesn't he do it the way? He he does things in such an unexpected way that it's hard to believe. And yet he's loving and he's just and he sends his son to rescue us. It just looks very different than what I expect. And so it causes this traffic jam inside most of us where we believe and we don't believe, where we trust and we don't trust, where we listen to what God's word says and we don't listen to what God says. And we're all kind of mixed up together. And so welcome to Faith Church right? I mean, this is just a part of it. It's like, I believe and I don't believe. It's hard to believe. And frankly, the passage of scripture we're going to look at today is so unexpected 
the passage we're going to look at today is so odd, it's so different, it's so whack, it's just like, honestly, I should just give you a disqualifier right now and just say, if you don't believe in the unexpected or if you don't believe in the supernatural, you should probably X us off online right now or get up and leave. Get your money back, go. Right, honestly, stand up right now because what we're about to look at is going to blow your mind. It's unexpected. It doesn't make sense. It's odd. And yet in this passage is an opportunity for growth and change. So if you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 9, turn on the electronic copy, a paper copy, Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 10. And this passage of Scripture is known historically as Jesus's transfiguration. I can't even say that word. Transfiguration. And frankly, I've been walking with Jesus for 30 years. I haven't heard anybody preach on this passage before because it's really odd, and it's really confusing, and I'm not sure anybody knows what it's about, so that's another reason why you could tune me out right now, So I'm not sure I know what it's about. Honestly, it's different, and it's one of these passages in the Bible that if we removed it from the gospel narratives, nobody would even miss it, because it's just so different. It's so odd, yet buried in this transfiguration of Christ is an invitation for you and me to be transformed by a God who does supernatural and unexpected things, if we would listen to him. Father, we need you now as we open up your word. We trust you. We, we come to you with the baggage of our hearts. We come to you with the train wreck of our lives. We come to you with the traffic jam of doubts and belief. We come to you with our full selves. I believe today, God, but help me overcome my unbelief. I want to follow you, God. I want your forgiveness, God, but there's certain things I don't like and I don't want to obey. Your word is alive and active. It is our compass and our guide. It's an anchor. And so would you do more than we can imagine? Would you remove distractions would you remove doubt? Would you give us open eyes and open hearts, not to hear from Jersey Joe, but to hear from Jesus, that the spirit of the living God would fall fresh on us, that we would hear your voice and we'd follow your path and we'd walk with you. We trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 9, verse 2. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up on a high mountain where they were all alone. There, Jesus was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He, he didn't know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus, as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. Jesus and a few friends go on a hike. And all of a sudden, Jesus is transfigured. Now, 
I've never seen anyone transfigured, so I don't even know what that means, but the gospel writer tries to describe the change that takes place. He says that Jesus' clothes turned whiter than anyone could bleach them. Weird. Then, two famous Jewish dead guys appear, Moses and Elijah, and they have this quick conversation with Jesus. Weird. The disciples are frightened. They don't know what to do, but they've got to say something weird. Then a cloud comes over the top of them, and a voice from heaven says, this is my son, listen to him. Weird, right? And then all of a sudden the cloud goes away, and the two dead Jewish guys leave, and all it is is Jesus in his Carhartt jeans standing there beside them. And Jesus says to him, uh, don't tell anyone about this until I die and rise again. I mean, the entire passage is odd, it's unexpected, it's supernatural, it's weird. There's the door. <laughs> X me out right now online. Let's break it down piece by piece. Verse two, after six days, Jesus took Peter and James and John with him. First, let's look at the characters, Jesus, James, Peter, and John. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the eternal son of God, promised superhero that's going to come. He's prophesied about and expected. He's going to rescue God's people, but he comes in this most unexpected way. He comes through a virgin. He has no fanfare, no royalty, born in a manger. But it's important to note that when Jesus comes to earth, his essential nature of being God does not change. Philippians 2 tells us, Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, Jesus made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. In this most supernatural, unexpected way, Jesus is fully God wrapped in the clothes of a human. That's weird, right? And what's happening in this moment is Jesus is adding to his divinity humanity. He's the original undercover boss, right? He's the CEO that shows up on planet Earth and he's the CEO, but he wraps himself in the uniform of a worker and he walks on planet Earth. He's a child. He's a teenager, he's a carpenter, now a rabbi. He's walking around Palestine. He's healing people, he's teaching people. He's doing all these loving things, but he's just an everyday Joe. He's a normal person. Yeah, he's doing some pretty supernatural things, but everybody that's close to him goes, he's real. It's a real person, so very human. And he takes three of his closest friends, Peter, James, John, up to Hawk Mountain. Like, great, they go on a hike. It's so pedestrian, it's so normal. And did you catch this little phrase at the beginning? This guy goes on a hike with his best friends. It's normal. But these little words right at the beginning of verse two, after six days, see that? That phrase, after six days, is a clue to try to figure out what's happening in this crazy transfiguration. So you turn back in your Bible, to six days earlier, and that's Mark chapter 8. So turn there, Mark chapter 8, verse 27. 
And we kind of find out what's happening six days earlier that's going to help us understand what's happening in this transfiguration. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, Jesus asked him, who do people say that I am? He's talking to his disciples, his close friends. They replied, well, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, still others, one of the prophets. But what about you guys, he asked. Who do you say that I am? And Peter answers them. You are the Messiah. The disciples have been around Jesus. They've been hanging out with him, watching him do all this stuff. And Jesus is a normal, everyday guy, but he's doing supernatural things, and there's all kinds of scuttlebutt. Of who is this guy? So Jesus says to his closest friends, they're just hanging out. Hey, what do people say? And they're like, well, some people just think you're a prophet. You're a good moral teacher. You're just a prophet. And Jesus is like, well, you guys have been around me a long time. What do you guys think? Who do you say that I am? And Peter pipes up and says, you are the Christ, and this is a big deal. You are the Christ. You're the promised Messiah in the long line of promises. You are the one. He's the promised Messiah in human form, and this is completely unexpected because the promised Messiah is king. He's royalty, and Jesus is this servant, this CEO wrapped in servant's clothes hanging out with people. This doesn't make any sense, but Peter's looking at him and going, you are the rescuer, the savior, the super one that's coming. In this moment, Peter is sure of what he hopes for and certain of what he doesn't see. You tracking? There's something going on here where he can look at Jesus. It doesn't make sense. There's a disconnect, but he can look at him and say, I have certainty of what I hope for and faith in what I don't see. You are the Messiah. Have you had this experience before? Where things just don't make sense with what you see in who God is, but there's something intrinsically about what God's done for you where you're like, I, I believe. I felt the weight of my sin, and I've asked for forgiveness, and it didn't come the way I thought with religion and doing good or bad things. It came by faith, and I'm forgiven and set free. Have you had that experience where you can look at Jesus and go, I don't really get it. I'm not 100% sure, but I know I'm forgiven. I know I'm at peace. I know I'm set free. Where God in some small or big way has made himself clear to you, come close to you. You have faith that Jesus is the Savior, the Messiah, the one who forgives, the King of the universe you believe. But just because you and I believe he's the Savior and the one who forgives me doesn't mean I trust him and believe him and follow him with everything he says. I have difficulty trusting him, though I know he's forgiven me. Faith is still hard. Right after this scene, Peter says, Jesus, you're the Messiah. And Jesus says to him in Mark 8, 31, the next set of verses, he says, listen, guys, you know I'm the Messiah. Here's what I've got to do. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. I'm going to resurrect after three days. And his crew that a minute ago said, you're the Messiah, go, no, 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 no. That's not how it works with the king, the CEO. You don't die and suffer when you're the king, the Messiah. They go, no, 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 that can't happen. Jesus goes, well, wait, just wait. Let me keep talking. Mark chapter 8, 34, he says, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, FYI, you guys are going to have to die too. Hey, you guys have to pick up your cross and follow me. You have to lose your life if you want to find me. And they go, wait, 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 we like the fact that you're Messiah. There's no way you're going to die and rise again. And heck no, am I going to suffer and pick up my cross and follow you. That's not how this works. That's not what's expected. That's not what's acceptable. I believe you forgive sins, but I'm not following that. 
there's just no way. This is too hard to believe. And these are the events that happen six days before Jesus goes on a hike with his disciples up on a mountain. His disciples recognize he's Messiah, and he teaches things that are beyond their expectations and hard to believe. They go on a hike, and his clothes become dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. Remember, Jesus came to earth. He's fully God. He was the undercover boss. He's wrapped his divinity in humanity. And when Jesus is transfigured, he takes off his human clothes to display his eternal glory. I mean, that's what's happening in this moment. He comes to earth and takes off for a moment to show Peter, James, and John that he really is the CEO, the king the Messiah, and all of this is so unexpected. Peter, James, and John are like, what the heck is going on? To make sure they truly understand, verse 4, there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. These two famous Jewish guys who represent all of what Peter and James and John believe about Judaism, all the law and the prophets wrapped up in these two famous dead guys. And Peter, James, and John know these two dead guys are in the presence of God. They're alive in heaven. And now all of a sudden they're alive on earth, standing and talking next to Jesus. And Jesus shows them his divinity. And they're like, holy cow, Elijah and Moses are talking to the king, the king of the universe. And this whole scene is to show the disciples the full nature of Jesus, CEO. And of course, Peter has to speak up, verse 5. Peter says, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Thank you, Peter. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He didn't know what to say. They're so scared. You know, in this moment, he's looking at this, and he sees the divinity of Christ. He sees Elijah. He sees Moses. And he hears all this, sees all this, and he's going, this is crazy. But he wanted, his heart's desire was he wanted to honor them. He wanted to show reverence and respect so before he wet his pants and set up a tent, verse 7, then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud, this is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. What's going on? Six days before, they're able to say, Jesus, you're the Messiah. Six days before, Jesus says to him hard things about his own death and suffering. Six days before, they, he, Jesus says to him, you guys have to pick up a cross and follow me. Just like me, you will suffer and die. They don't want to hear that. Those who believe in this Christ, they find his, hard's words, his words hard to believe. And in that moment, he's transfigured before them. He takes off his human clothes and shows his small group that he is, in fact, the CEO. Yeah, Moses and Elijah, they're respected and they're important, but they disappear. They're not the ones God says, listen to him. That's Jesus. In this moment, all that remains is Jesus. And the whole scene is for those who believe he is the Christ to see the fullness of the Christ. The transfiguration reveals Jesus as CEO and commands those who believe in him to listen to him to listen to him. See, God knows it's hard to believe, especially when Jesus says and does things that don't make sense. But if he really is the CEO, if he's the king of the universe, God doesn't suggest, hey, you know what? 
He's a good moral teacher. He's got some good suggestions like Gandhi. You know, he's a great moral guy. You know what? It might be good for you to take some advice from Jesus. No. He reveals the complete nature of Jesus and says in a command form, listen to him. Okay. What do we got going on here? Have you experienced Jesus before? Yeah, you're forgiven. I mean, maybe right now you'd raise your hand and go, I am confident I'm forgiven. Not by anything I've done, but because of the work of Christ, I'm forgiven. You you might sit here and raise your hand today online or here in the room and say, I know the Spirit of God lives inside me. I'm a son or daughter of the King. I know when I take my final breath, I'm not nervous about it because I know where I'm going. I'm going to be with God forever. With confidence, you might raise your hand and say, I know I'm a child of God. I know I'm forgiven. I know that he's my Savior. I know he's the Messiah. Yet why is it so hard to listen to Jesus with everything else? Why is it that we pick and choose when he says hard things that we don't agree with, that we don't like, that we go, ah, I don't need you? I mean, maybe if we were there and we could see with our physical eyes Jesus pull off his humanly clothes and show his divinity, maybe then we would believe. But then I look at the life of Peter, James, and John, and they spent their rest of their days struggling to believe. So it's not that you need to see it with your physical eyes, but a different set of eyes could reveal who he is and what he's like. And he invites us. He invites us to walk with him. He wants to go on a hike with us. He says, come with me. I, I want to go on a journey. I want to show you more of who I am. To those who would say, I believe, he is the Christ. He is my Savior. I'm a child of God. He's inviting us to keep taking more steps with him to see more. And just like Peter, James, and John had some belief, but they were willing to take a hike up on a mountain when they walk with Jesus, he led them to see more, to understand more. And when you see more of Jesus, an unexpected transfiguration can happen inside of you. Change can happen inside of you. This, this word transfiguration, it appears four times in the Bible. Two of the times it appears, it's in these gospel accounts describing Jesus pulling off his humanly clothes and showing his divinity. That's two times. But two other times, it's, the word is used, and it's used in relationship to followers of Christ who have said, yes, I believe. I'm a son or daughter of God. I'm forgiven. I'm going to spend eternity with God. And it's instruction, commandment in how we should live in light of the fact that Jesus has forgiven us. Paul in Romans chapter 12, 2 says, do not be conformed. He's talking to followers of Jesus. So if you're not a follower of Jesus today, you just have questions or you're curious, you don't have to listen to this. You don't have to pay attention. But if you're a follower of Christ today, this is a, for you and for me. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. But he says, be transformed, transfigured by the renewing of your mind. Leave that up there. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the... He's saying, wait a minute. There's a pattern in this world. Have you seen it? Do you notice the pattern that's in our world today? There's a pattern going on in our world today. Do you see it? Do you know it? He's saying, notice the pattern. And the pattern of things that's happening in our world today is going in the exact opposite direction of what God says. So that things that are right are being called wrong, and things that are wrong are being called right. And everyone is doing what's right in their own eyes. 
And Jesus is inviting us, if you've put your trust in me and you have been forgiven, then do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but instead be transfigured, transformed by the renewing of your minds. What does that mean? What does that look like? It's almost like we have these clothes on that are called the culture of today, living in America in 2022. We wear the clothes. We act the part. We fit the culture. And he's like, I've rescued you from sin. I've redeemed you. I've put myself inside of you. You are now a child of God. Take off those clothes and wrap yourself with the mind of Christ. Wrap yourself with my clothes, with my mind, with my way of thinking. What does that mean? It means the pattern of this world today says God doesn't exist. And the Bible is just some antiquated thing that could be explained away. But to renew your mind is to say, no, the Bible is living and active, is sharper than any double-edged sword, and it is my compass and my guide that when everything is going upside down and left and right, I have an anchor and a compass in God's word, and when I'm confused and I struggle, I renew my mind with what is true based on what God says, not what I think. That's not being conformed to the pattern of this world, but renewing my mind. The pattern of this world is saying right now that you're to keep all your money for yourself. Build your own comfort, your own kingdom, your own security. And what the Bible teaches is your kingdom and my little kingdom are going to go away and you're going to be forgotten. You're dust. You mean nothing in the scheme of things. And your wealth and your possessions will disappear. But that you're to invest all your resources, time, money, and talent in the kingdom that will last forever. In the kingdom of heaven. In the kingdom of God. That's renewing your mind and shifting from the way everything is being done to the mindset of Christ. The pattern of this world right now is pains me. The pattern of this world and this culture and our schools telling kids that you can pick your gender. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says he doesn't make accidents and he makes Two genders, so that when you're going through gender confusion, you don't look at the pattern of the world. When you're struggling and wrestling with something you're feeling, you go to God and you say, God, how did you make me? What do you want from me? And that's how you renew your mind. The pattern of this world says, have sex with anything, anyone, anytime, do what you want sexually, whatever feels good. The compass and the anchor of God says, no, I designed sex for a reason, to be with one man and one woman in a covenant of marriage forever. And when you play with that design, you bring yourself pain. And so you take your confusion about sexuality and you bring it to God, the one who made you and knows you, and you renew your mind based on what he says, not based on what you feel or what our culture says. The pattern of this world is to return evil for evil, what the Bible says is, no, you love your enemies and you pray for those who persecute you. So you renew your mind, you're transformed, transfigured when you trust what God says, not what you feel. The pattern of what's going on in the church in the United States today is to think that we're here to preserve a Christian nation. And the renewing of our minds to say is our citizenship is in heaven and I'm not waiting for the next governor, the next president, the next senator, the next mayor. I'm eagerly awaiting a savior, Jesus Christ. And so it, it, it's renewing our minds. It's, it's renewing our mind to realize, wait, the pattern of this world is leading me in the opposite direction of what God wants. 
And so I renew my mind. I'm transformed. I'm transfigured when I say what he says matters. And I follow that even when I don't feel it, even when it's unexpected, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it's not comfortable. If you believe in Jesus Christ today, he's inviting us to stop conforming to the pattern of this world, but to listen to Jesus in every category, every category, no exception. Paul also uses the word transfiguration in 2 Corinthians 3.18. He says, and we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. I'll leave this up and look at this. He's saying, if you're a son or daughter of the king and you're forgiven today, you stare at Jesus. When everything is topsy-turvy and our culture is going in a hundred directions and your feelings are going, you stare at Jesus because when you stare at Jesus, you see his mouth moving and you hear his voice and you follow his voice. And as you hear him, as you follow him, this isn't about being transformed for heaven. He's saying, you're going to be transformed right now from ever increasing glory to glory, that right now you can look like a son or daughter of the king that cuts against the grain, but does it in a loving, gentle, peaceful way that cares about and respects everyone because you're staring at Jesus. When you stare at Jesus, you will be transfigured. But if you stare at the next influencer or the next person at, in your, your school, or you want to be like him or want to be like her, You'll be transformed into their image, and then what happens? But when you stare at Jesus, you'll be transformed into his image so that when you take your final breath and you're perfected and look like him in every way, you won't be any surprise in heaven because you already started looking like heaven on earth. And you'll be moving in that direction, and that's God's design for you and me. So here's the deal. Listening to Jesus transfigures us. I know it's a weird word, but listening to him transfigures us. It transforms us. And it's as if our shameful clothes are removed and they're replaced with new, glorious clothes that look like Jesus now. What's so hard for me and probably hard for you is I want Jesus' love and forgiveness, but I don't want his lifestyle. I don't want to pick up my cross and follow him. It's too hard. I don't want to lose my life to find it. I want to be comfortable in America with everything just happy and apple pie and all my 401k just goes up, 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 and up, and I get a new car every six years. That, that's what I want. But Jesus is inviting me to listen to him. And when I listen to him, I'm transformed by him. But when I pick and choose, I want your forgiveness, but I don't want your lifestyle. Am I really a son? A daughter, is that what it looks like? Or when he says, Joe, pick up your cross and follow me, you know what that means? I made some really stupid sexual decisions in my past. Is that what defines me, my stupid sexual decisions in the past? Or do I put on the new, the changed, the forgiven, and instead of continuing to walk in temptation and pornography and struggle, I'm a new person and I walk in new ways and I transform my mind to become a son 
of God that looks like him and I'm being transformed to glory, to glory, to glory, to glory. But it's a conscious choice. My dad told me my whole life I was stupid and unimportant. That's the old Joe. I pick up that cross and I carry it because I'll follow Jesus. And with new eyes and new clothes, I go, no, I'm a son of God. I'm not stupid. And I don't really care what you think about me anymore because I'm a son of God. I can walk in confidence. And so God is inviting you and me to a lifestyle of suffering. Who's ready to leave? There's the door. It's going to be hard to follow Jesus. It's going to cost you your life. It's going to be different. It's against the grain. It's against the culture. It's not popular. No one becomes an influencer when you follow Jesus because he's the influencer. He's the change. He's the man. He's the CEO. And so if we're going to follow Jesus, my friends, I hate to tell you this, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Things in our society and in our world and inside of us likely will get worse before it gets better. But Jesus promises to be with you always to the very end of the age. The CEO wants to be with you always. He is going to give you peace and confidence and purity and forgiveness and grace. Are you willing to listen to him? Because we'll raise our hand and say, I want forgiveness, but I don't want to listen to him. I want to be changed, but I don't want to listen to him. I don't want to struggle with these temptations anymore, but I don't want to listen to him. You can't have your cake and eat it too, friends. Because here's the deal. He'll forgive me and give me heaven eternally. But if I choose not to listen to him in the here and now, I actually create a living hell for myself and the people around me. If you want to be changed, listen to him. Because then you walk with him here and now, you begin to look more like him here and now, and you have heaven and eternity forever and ever and ever and ever. I struggle to believe, and I struggle to trust, but I want to listen to God, and I want to be changed and transformed into the image of Christ, where the old shameful clothes go away, and the new heavenly clothes are on me, and I look like Jesus. Would you pray with me? God, this is hard. We, we want to hear a passage of Scripture that says easy things, not pick up your cross and follow. We want to hear a passage of Scripture that gives us things that make sense, that just clear and maybe scientific and rational. And yet what we see in this transfiguration is something supernatural and a little weird. But in it is a Christ who can change everything for us. And there are people in this place right now and watching online that want to be transformed and changed. And it happens in this most unexpected way. Transformation happens when we listen to Jesus and we look at Jesus, no matter what he says, no matter whether we agree with it or we don't agree with it, whether we understand it or we don't understand it. Transformation happens when we listen to him. When we listen to you, when we obey you, you give us peace and you give us purpose and you give us forgiveness. You lead us beside still waters. You restore our souls. You comfort us and you guide us. You are our good shepherd. We want to walk with you. We want to go for a hike with you and become more like you as we listen to you, as we look at you, change us 
And where it's hard, where it's difficult, where we're confused, where we struggle, where we doubt, meet us there too, God. And be patient with us that we might be transformed slowly by your love and grace.